What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content gets shared out through there, whether it be these podcasts, my articles, different Twitter threads. Obviously, it's all in one place, so please do go check me out over on the Bird app. Today, we're going to be doing what we usually do on Monday. We'll look back on some of the weekend's top performers. We'll look at some two-start pitchers. I'll look at some hitter recommendations from my article, which came out on Sunday. And we'll pretty much do what we usually do. The only difference here is that I'm recording Sunday night as opposed to Monday morning. And we have not yet had our Sunday night Padres and Dodgers game take place. So when I'm talking about some of today's top performers we may be missing out on a couple that come from that game. Perhaps. It's possible. There's a lot of stars, so there's always a decent chance that one of the top performers could be a Mookie Betts or a Juan Soto type. If that does happen, apologies. We'll touch on it tomorrow on Twitter. But I am busy uh, for Monday when you guys are going to be hearing this, so I am doing myself a bit of a favor and recording a day in advance. But we're still going to look back on some of the top performers here from this weekend. We'll start out with Saturday and take a look at Dylan Cease, who had... One of the best performances of his career, one of the best performances we've seen this season, uh, just based on the dominant level. It wasn't really strikeouts that did it for him. He still walked a couple batters, but he got 26 batters out without allowing a hit. Then Luis Arise, of course, broke it up with a base hit into center field. Tough to see. Uh, You'd like to see a no-hitter happen, especially when it gets down to that point. But Dylan Cease went a long way yesterday in securing himself uh, the Cy Young, I think. Depending on what happens with Justin Verlander, I prematurely said that it was Verlander's race locked up a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it still could be Justin Verlander. It's not like he's out of the running. But with the injury here, uh, he apparently, according to a couple days ago, he was thrown from 60 feet. So could he be back maybe in the next week or so? It's possible. Uh, Verlander comes back and has a few good starts. That whole narrative, the legacy award for Verlander, we've talked about this a lot. It still could come into play. But Dylan Cease really did himself a huge favor uh, the other night. 156 innings on the season. He's won 13 games. He has 197 strikeouts, a 2.13 ERA, and a 1.08 whip. Dylan Cease, really curious to see where he goes in drafts next season. He'll push, I think, around the 1-2 turn. I think he'll be somebody that goes in that top 20 range. Somewhere between 14 and 20 would be where my gut would tell me. Maybe even sneaking up into the first round in 12-teamers could be one of your last picks if you're just really looking for those high strikeout numbers. You're probably going to go with an Alcantara or a Burns first, but you know drafts are different every season. Value is moving around the board consistently, whether it be uh, a pitching-heavy season or an outfield-heavy season or whatever. It looks like it's going to be a pretty pitcher-heavy season next year at the top. That's the way it's shaping out to be, and I think Dylan Cease could be somebody who's definitely going to go in the first two rounds in most cases. Certainly in 15 teamers, he'll be a top 30 pick, but I think he can honestly push the top 20. It's really possible for me. Patrick Corbin has earned our attention here a little bit, I think. So he went seven innings against the Mets in New York. He got the victory, striking out five and only allowing one earned run. Pretty similar to his last outing against Cincinnati, six innings, five strikeouts, one earned run, and also a victory there. Now, the good thing, the good thing here that I'm seeing is that people are not adding Patrick Corbin. He's still only 7% rostered on Yahoo. He has not jumped up even 1%, which is very good because you just can't trust him, right? Good for him. He's had a couple of good starts. And I honestly hope that he can turn his career around because it's like he's not that old. 
He's just had a really bad stretch of things. We've seen him be successful in the past, and I, I forget how old he is. I'm going to look it up here real quick. I think 31. I think he's 33. He's not that old where he cannot you know, get back on track and be successful here. I really don't think that there's any need to be adding him here. It's really a truly risky uh, proposition having Patrick Corbin on your roster. He's facing the Cardinals in his next outing, and they've been they were the best offense throughout the month of August. So it's pretty much a hard no for me. Some people will be tempted to take the bait, but I don't think we can do it with Patrick Corbin this year. I saw a thread on Twitter the other day about how he needs to add a curveball and he can do a couple things over time to be successful. And I, I wish I could quote who put the thread together because it was it was it was a thought out piece. It was it was well done. I don't know that there's so much he can really do in the short term to gain our trust here. Yes, he's had a, a couple of good outings. Cincinnati is what it is. It's not a great team. The Mets, doing that against the Mets in New York is very impressive. So is this just one random outing? He had that great outing earlier in the year where he went eight innings and struck out 13 batters or whatever it was. So he is still capable of giving you good outings. But on a consistent basis at this time of year, there's going to be better options out there than Patrick Corbin. And I think the wisest move that you can do is to leave him alone and honestly hope that somebody else in your league picks him up because that would do you a lot of favors uh, facing up against Patrick Corbin in a playoff matchup or even you know I've mentioned this a few times even in Roto it's not considered the playoffs and it sounds kind of stupid to say Roto playoffs but it's a time of year when it's essentially Roto playoffs so when you make up categories it's crunch time everybody needs to be performing a little bit extra in your lineup you know it does sound poor to say to say Roto playoffs but it's essentially what it is and whatever whatever you want to call it this time of year, it's not the safest proposition to be rostering Patrick Corbin. Let's talk about Paul Goldschmidt for a second. We talked about him last week, but again, on Saturday, he had another combo meal. He hit a home run, and he stole a base for the year. 97 runs, 34 homers, 107 ribbies. He's batting 331, and he has stolen six bases. The Triple Crown is well within reach for Paul Goldschmidt. He is leading currently in batting average by five points over Freddie Freeman. He is down two home runs currently to Kyle Schwarber, 36 to 34, and he is ahead of Pete Alonso by one RBI. And I saw the question posed today again on Twitter. I love taking stuff from Twitter because I feel like it tends to be what the general public is looking at and talking about for the most part. And it's who would be the MVP of all of Major League Baseball this season if you had to look at Shohei Otani, Paul Goldschmidt, or Aaron Judge? Would it change anybody's decision, one league or the other? if we made it across the entire Major League Baseball. For me, I think it would still be Aaron Judge, and I, I might be in the minority, and I feel like I am in the minority on that, despite looking at the betting odds and seeing what a favorite Aaron Judge is. I was looking at it this morning, just thinking, you know, maybe maybe there's some movement on the line. Who knows? Otani's been really good recently. It's minus 1,000 for Aaron Judge right now, and Otani is plus 600, so... I guess I'm not crazy to say that it would be Judge, but it still feels like the public is pretty pretty in on Otani. And then when you add Paul Goldschmidt to that equation, it's like, well, the Triple Crown is pretty damn impressive. He's anchoring arguably, well, a top two or three offense in all of baseball this season. So it's like, I think you can go a few different ways with it. I would probably still order them Judge, Otani, and then Goldschmidt third. What Otani does is still brilliant, and we'll get to him in a second here. Because it's not like Otani's gone away from us. He's still performing. All of these guys are. But I don't know that I'm going to say anybody's going to be better than Judge this season. It's, it's a historic season. I think 
you you could literally sit there and talk yourself into it one way or the other. Some people are more dead set in their ways. I'm 100% going to go judge 100% whoever. But I think if you really sit there, you can think about it in a number of ways. And you, you could argue that it could very well be Shohei Otani across all of baseball, across fantasy, across baseball, across whatever you want to divide it up into. But I, I, for me, I'm still going to go judge at the top. Let's, let's talk about Otani here because he had a doozy himself on Saturday night. This was eight innings, five strikeouts, one earned run, and allowing only six hits against Houston. Now, this is just kind of what we've come to expect on the mound this year. It's been an absolute elevated level, I guess, a poorly phrased on my part, but he has elevated his game on the mound from what it was last year. And has he stepped back a little bit as a, as a hitter? Maybe a little bit, but it's hard to say that he has when he still hit 30 home runs. Like it's, you know, I can, I can't say enough about Shohei Otani. Really? We, we can, we can go on and on and on about him. 30 home runs, 82 RBIs, 11 steals, a 266 batting average. He's on pace to have less home runs, probably about the same number of RBIs, maybe a little bit less, fewer steals, uh, fewer runs with a slightly higher batting average. So generally, maybe it's a little bit lesser or we'll perceive it to be lesser because of, you know, he's going to have a drop off of about 10-ish, 10 to 12 home runs, which is not nothing, but he's still doing a lot of other great things for your team. And, you know, I won't, I won't spend too much time on him because we have talked about him quite a bit on the show. And I like to talk more about players in general. I know we haven't done that so far today. But players in general that you can make moves on in fantasy. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But I think at the end of the day, Shohei Otani is still the most valuable major league baseball player. Not just – not we're talk, talking about this season. I'm talking about as a whole, if you could choose one major league baseball player to have – on your team for the next five seasons, assuming you know he's going to be doing what he does, pitching and hitting, which is granted not a guarantee, but assuming he's able to continue to stay healthy and do what he does going forward, I know Judge is great and he's my MVP for this year, but Otani is still the best player in baseball. I think that that one is a pretty safe statement to make. Let's move on to Sunday and we'll kick it off with Nick Lodolo. He threw six scoreless innings, striking out nine against the Rockies. This one was supposed to take place on Saturday, but it did get pushed back, and we got it on Sunday. It doesn't matter for you guys in your head-to-head leagues. You still got it in before the end of the week. Now, his numbers on the surface, still a little bit high, but what he's done over the second half, he's really boosted his strikeout numbers. Granted, he's playing for a bad team. We've said this a bunch of times, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't still go out there and give six, seven innings striking out between seven and ten guys, which is something that he's very capable of doing every single time out. Six, seven, ten strikeouts. In that neighborhood, he can give you something like that every time. Now, wins are going to be kind of hard to come by. He has only three of them on the season so far. That's not what you'd really be adding him for. He is more of a – you'd hope for wins. You're always hoping that you can get some wins, but you have to kind of just bank on the strikeouts with those improving ratios throughout the season. And, you know, honestly, the major thing with Nick Lodolo for me, it's not that he is so great that he is like, you know, he must be added, he must be added – but I think in a lot of cases, you're not going to find a lot of better options on your waiver wire, whether it be even 10 or 12 team leagues. He's only 34% rostered over on Yahoo. And there's one other guy we're going to talk about in that same kind of range. But there's really not that many guys who are below 40% who are still able to go out there and give you really strong numbers every single time they hit the bump. So yes, it's a bad team. There is going to be maybe the odd rocky start here and there. And I think he's someone that you pick and choose your matchups. This was a good matchup, despite it being a little bit risky at home. 
Next time out, he gets the Brewers. It will be a little bit riskier, but I'd still say at the end of the day, the Brewers are a team that are in decline for the most part. I know that they've had some up and downs recently, but for the most part, they're a team that was leading the division. They have fallen pretty much. I don't know if you say they're out of contention. They could still win the division. Hypothetically, they're only two and a half back of the wild card, but it's really has not been a great ride for the Brewers. And offensively, I mean, they're, they're, not great. They're ninth in runs, but other than that, they're 21st in hits. They're 22nd in average, 14th in on-base percentage. They're not the scariest of teams. So in that case, I'm going to be okay with starting like Lodolo. It doesn't feel like too big of a risk for me there. The upside is pretty, pretty fantastic with Nick. So it will come, I believe, on Wednesday. Sorry, Friday. This one will come Friday. So You'll have a decent idea of the way your week is heading and if you need what he can give you. If you're just solely looking for wins at that point and strikeouts and ratios are kind of an afterthought, they're already done one way or the other, he's probably not your ideal guy. But I think in most cases, uh, he's going to be a really, really strong start here. Let's move on to Ross Stripling. He had another very strong performance, this time against the Pirates, helping the Blue Jays to the sweep. He went six innings, allowed three earned runs, and struck out a season-high eight batters while also throwing a season-high 95 pitches. Ross Stripling, I've said it a couple times, he has been the saving grace for the Blue Jays this season. The ERA is at 3.03, the whip is at 1.04, and they really wouldn't be anywhere near where they are without him, I don't think. That starting rotation, we saw it on Saturday that they had to throw Trevor Richards and use an entire bullpen day. Like, we don't even have five starters at this point. Imagine if Stripling was still where he was at the end of last season, beginning of this season, in that more of a reliever role. We'd really be looking at a shaky Barrios, Manoa, and Gosman, who are both, granted, elite pitchers. Manoa and Gosman are both two of the finest pitchers in baseball. But other than that, it's been really a struggle for the Blue Jays to have any production out of their starting pitchers. And Ross Stripling... Really, if I don't know what we would have done without him so far this season. Seven wins now. Like I said, those ratios hovering around the three and the one mark. It's well beyond what you ever could have expected out of Ross Stripling. He's pretty much rostered in, I mean, in most competitive leagues, he's going to be already scooped up. He's at 64%. He is definitely somebody I would be looking at ahead of his matchup against the Rangers on Friday. That's another really good one. I'm, I don't know why he would still be available. But maybe in some deeper leagues, that's where the percentages are coming from. I'd be, I'd be taking a really strong look at Ross Stripling ahead of that matchup. It should be, uh, it should be a, a favorable one for him. We'll move on to TJ Friedel. He hit a couple of home runs today, and he has been on one recently. Before this game, over his last 44 at-bats, he had 17 hits, three homers, and 10 RBIs, and a steal. And then, of course, you add in a couple he hit today. I don't have a ton of confidence that he can be a long-term add. I think... If you are going to go ahead and grab him, this is going to be a short-term one where you're just hoping to ride the end of this hot streak. And it's the time of year where you can do that. It's not like, you know, in in April or May, if you're chasing a one-week hot streak, it's pretty unwise. But at this time of year, it might just be all you need to really uh, get that extra boost. He was leading off today. Actually, in both halves of the doubleheader, he's leading off. So two for four with a couple homers in the first one. The second one, which is still going on right now, Reds, at the time of recording this, they're currently up 5 nothing. He's two for three. So he is on a heater right now. Do I think that he'll last another month performing like this? I, I would be really surprised if he did. But he's a really widely available guy right now if you want to kind of get the advantage on your teammates in a slightly deeper league. He's only 5% rostered, and he's really producing a lot right now. So I wouldn't be so opposed, but don't get too attached as well is what I would say.
I want to mention Jonathan India here because I feel like he's still somebody that you can find in the odd league. I was going through my waiver wires and there was two leagues where I was able to add him up in. They were both 10-team leagues, but he's really not somebody who should be available in any in any league. He's getting hits, it seems like, every day now recently. He hit a home run today on Sunday. Well, you guys are listening to this on Monday. He homered on Sunday in the first half of their doubleheader. And I'm just not really sure why he is available in any league still. I know it's been a bit up and down, and he's kind of somebody that you need to always have your attention on when it comes to availability. Especially throughout this season, he's been kind of an ad-drop, ad-drop, up-and-down kind of guy. But at this point, the way he's producing, the way a lot of bats in that Cincinnati lineup have been producing, he is an absolute must-roster player. I don't think I really need to say this, but just in case, go through your league. He's 77% rostered. I think he was 74, 75% when I was able to grab him up. Just because you see those high numbers, it can be kind of daunting. Like if I write an article or somebody puts out something and says, this guy is rostered in 73% of leagues or 74, even if it says 82, you might just think there's no, it's not even worth looking for most of the time. Some of you know your league better than others and you'll know if someone is available or not, but you might just see a name and you see a percentage over 70 and think there's, there's no point there. That guy's already going to be owned. Always take a look. You never know. If you look on any waiver wire, you're going to see guys who probably shouldn't be there. Even just if you're talking about one specific league, it happens. In the 10-team league that I am in, in one of my the home league that I focus on the most with my friends, Sean Murphy is available. Sean Murphy is somebody who should not be available in a 10-team league. As far as I see it, as far as I think most people would see it, it's only one catcher, but Sean Murphy is definitely someone who should be a top 10 fantasy catcher. It's just an example of one one thing. I have Dalton Varsho in that league. It's a one-catcher league, so I don't need to go and rush and add him. But somebody should, right? There should be somebody, and that'll happen in a lot of cases. Uh, Jonathan India was one of those cases in this league. I'm very happy I was still able to get him. Just make sure that no one has slipped through the cracks in your league, is what I would say, because in pretty much every single league, it's going to happen at least one time. It's going to happen where there's a guy who's upper 70s or 80s percentage and someone dropped him or no one ever noticed to pick him up and he's just still sitting there. So go ahead and comb through your league just one time and make sure that there aren't any of those players there. Let's move on now and we'll talk about a couple of two-start pitching options for this week. There are only a couple that I'm really going to be truly interested in in terms of the widely available guys. If you're looking at all the two-start pitchers, we got guys like Aaron Nola, Kevin Gosman, Garrett Cole, Obviously, really, really good stuff there. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Tristan McKenzie, Blake Snell is a pretty good option. He does have a Dodgers start. Uh, Lance Lynn is a really interesting one, Seattle and Oakland. The thing is, these guys are already going to be rostered in most cases. So when we're talking about guys who you can still grab, who are likely available, we got Justin Steele and Jose Quintana. So I've gone on and on and on about Justin Steele. I am one of his biggest fans. I would definitely go ahead and say that I am a stan of Justin Steele. And I've talked about him many, many times. And over his last six starts, I tweeted this out the other day. Six starts, 31 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has a .85 ERA, a two zero five fielding independent pitching. He's striking out just a tick under 35% of batters, and he's got a 15.6% swinging strike rate. During that time period, he has allowed a three sixty one BABIP. And the two starts are just absolute gravy like you oh my god you will take that 100% of the time Cincinnati the first one especially that is beautiful glorious and the second one San Francisco not quite to the same level as Cincinnati but he is somebody I'm going to be putting in 
a lot of claims on tonight and into tomorrow morning. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, and this is about as good of an opportunity as you're gonna find uh, this coming week. I, I, it is the best opportunity that you're gonna find, assuming that one of those guys in your league who slipped through the cracks isn't like a Lance Lynn. Uh, then Justin Steele should be your guy. 33% rostered on Yahoo. I would go and add him up everywhere you can. 10 teams, 12 teams, it doesn't matter. He's he's a must-add for me right now. Jose Quintana, the other one. This one is mostly based off of matchups. Washington and Pittsburgh, that is a fantastic two-step. It's about as good as you could possibly hope for. It literally is, like I think, the best you could possibly hope for here. He's only 32% rostered, Quintana, despite for the season, giving you a 347 ERA. Not great strikeouts, 109 in 132 innings, and granted only four victories, but it's hard to hold the four victories against a guy who spent most of the season playing for those same Pirates. And will they have some kind of advantage there because they know him? You could argue that, but you could also argue it from the other side that Quintana knows these batters a little bit. He'll know how to fool them. So I think that one is kind of, you know, evens itself out. It kind of cancels itself out, I guess. Not something that I'm going to be paying so much attention to. I would look more at the poor lineups he's going to be facing this week, and I would be going and adding him up absolutely everywhere. These guys, I know it's risky. I know this time of year, literally pretty much everybody is risky. But if you are going to be adding players, if you know your matchup is going to be something where you need to compete in counting stats, I don't really see many better options here. There are some other guys who might be of some interest. Jordan Lyles, he's been all right this season, but he gets Toronto and Boston. Really risky. Michael Walker has been pretty good this season. He gets Tampa and Baltimore both on the road. A little bit risky. Marco Gonzalez, who I have not been a big fan of. He gets Chicago and Atlanta. Again, just really not feeling it so much there. I'm, I'm going to be going with Steele and Quintana in in pretty much every single league where I can grab them. There's there's, there's no reason not to. Specifically with Steele, you look at the matchups and you take in, uh, you factor in his recent performance. I don't know why it's taken so long for people to go ahead and add him up, but he's still sitting there, so go ahead and grab him while you still can. I do want to quickly go through the article that I wrote yesterday for Sports Ethos, just talking about four hot hitters right now and why I'm looking to add them. So the first one is Joey Manessis. He's a great story, first off. 30-year-old career minor leaguer who wasn't really given a chance until Juan Soto was shipped out of town, and since he's been shipped out of town, he's batting 333, seven home runs. He's batting top three in that Nationals lineup, usually second uh, as of late. Sometimes he's third, but he's got a high batting spot. It's not a great lineup, but still over the last month, he's got 19 runs, and uh, he's driven in 15. So hasn't really held him back so much from that point of view. Over that time period, I made a couple of comps in my article that might get me into some trouble with you guys, but his 45% hard hit rate is in line in that time with Michael Harris and Mookie Betts. His 277 XBA is right there with Ronald Acuna and Starling Marte. So He's not as good as these players, obviously, but that's kind of what he's been like. He has been some kind of, you know, take those four players out and average them in your head, and that's kind of been what he's been doing over this last month. He's probably not going to keep it up forever, but while he is hot right now, eligible at first and in the outfield, uh, Manessas should be pretty easy guy to slide into your lineup. The next guy is Bubba Thompson, and the main reason you're going to be adding Bubba is for his speed. He's in the 100th percentile for sprint speed. And he has 59 steals in 106 games between AAA and the bigs this season. It's, it's insanity, really. It's crazy. 
but he can actually give you a little bit more than that. Uh, he hasn't really so far in the majors. He's been a steel specialist guy, but he had 13 home runs in 80 games in the minors. He's batting 305 since he's been promoted. And yeah, his BABIP is really high. It's at 429. But he's always been well above average uh, in the BABIP department. If you look through his minor league seasons, we're in the 340, 370 kind of range for BABIP. So it's not like, yeah, it'll probably come down, but it's not something that I'm like terribly, terribly worried about. Uh, even though he has a pretty high strikeout percentage at 28, it doesn't really matter so much for what he's going to give you from a fantasy point of view. The main thing is obviously the steals. Maybe he gives you the odd home run. That would be really great. He is batting in the ninth spot in the order. But the playing time has been there, and I think he makes a pretty ideal pickup right now if you're looking for steals. Vlad Sadler, the Roto Gut, he said it perfectly earlier this week on Twitter. He said, John Birdie died and was Roto carnated into Bubba Thompson. Absolutely perfectly phrased, and it's completely true. He's filling that exact same role that John Birdie would have filled for you earlier in the year. So if you're still holding on to John Birdie, that's a swap that I would definitely make, especially if that's still a place of production that you need to make up. The next guy I wrote about was Jock Peterson. It's been a little bit of an up-and-down year for him. He's been a must-roster player at points. He's been featured on this show uh, in the most dropped players segments. But right now, uh, he probably needs to be on your rosters. For the year, he's got 21 homers, 61 RBIs, 3 steals, and a career-high 271 batting average, which has kind of flown under the radar. It's kind of been a surprise, but it's, it's a very welcome one. Uh, over his last eight games, he has hits in all of them, five of them multi-hit game affairs, and he's 13 for 24 over the entirety of it. I don't know why he's still available in as many leagues that he is, but 52% over on Yahoo, 54 on ESPN. The best place for Jock Peterson is a daily changes league. He will sit against left-handed pitching. So that would be the place where I would most highly recommend rostering him. Not that he can't be a weekly guy in a bit of a deeper format, but his value in uh, daily changes is sky high absolutely um, right at this point of the year uh, again he is a must roster player it has bounced around i think there's been three distinct periods where he was a must roster player but we are in one of those right now the last guy that i wrote about was manuel margot and he's kind of another under the radar guy a little bit even more so than jock peterson playing out there in tampa he's missed a lot of time he's only played 63 games which is why this counting stats are not very impressive but when he's been out there He's really provided a lot of value. He's batting exactly 300 with three homers and six steals, usually batting second for the Rays, and the Rays have been a very strong team recently. In that time, a 292 average, 17 runs plus RBIs, and he has a stolen base. Now, he's pretty much your standard Tampa Bay Ray player. Uh, he goes out there. He gives you pretty decent production, nothing crazy, not the sexiest stat line, but he's just a guy who's pretty sturdy, and it goes to fantasy as well. He is able to provide value. Across most of the categories, he, he can not that he's consistently giving you all five categories worth of production, but it all starts, <clears throat> excuse me, it all really starts with batting average, and that's something he's got down so far this season. You're getting on base more, you're putting the ball in play more, there's going to be more runs, and there's going to be more RBI. So he's not the guy I'd prioritize the most on this list. I would definitely go for, you know, you need an outfielder, you go for Peterson or, or Thompson, depending on if you need speed or if you need power. Manessis as well. I, it's hard to rank those top three. I think they're all pretty clumped together. Margot is definitely a step behind them, but he should definitely not be only rostered in 20% of leagues. I think he can have a lot more value than that down the stretch. 
leading off or batting second most of the time. It's just it's a recipe for for good things to happen for Manuel Margot. So go ahead and add him. Probably more of a five outfielder kind of guy, or maybe a 14, 15 team kind of guy. But he he should still be on rosters. Uh, there's definitely someone who is cuttable as opposed to at least certainly one of the top three guys on this list, if not Margot. Guys, that'll wrap it up for us for today. I really appreciate you guys kicking off your week with the show. One thing I'll ask you to do before we leave is hit that five-star button if you do enjoy what we do over here. It helps us to be seen by more people as we enter into more of a slower baseball phase into the offseason. Viewers start to listen to basketball things and football, go back to school. It's very understandable, but help me offset that by hitting the five-star button and subscribing to the pod and make sure that they still continue to get downloaded. Even I'm sure you won't listen every single day during the offseason, but we'll continue to bring on guests. We'll continue to do all kinds of great things for you guys. Even when there's not actual baseball going on, we'll do team reviews. We'll look forward to next season. Sleepers, busts, the whole works. Uh, before, I, before I actually let you go here, one last thing. I'd mentioned a couple weeks ago, and I think I mentioned it last week as well, that Rob DiPietro is going to be our next guest. That is still going to happen. We had to reschedule because there was some uh, conflicts with timing on my part, and then Rob couldn't do it, and then I couldn't do it, and then it's just been a shit show. But we will have Rob here. Should be, I believe we're going to do Wednesday, maybe Thursday. So stay tuned over on Twitter for that. We'll keep you guys updated. At JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the accounts to follow here for Sports Ethos and for myself, obviously. Guys, take care. I wish you all the best this week as we are really truly into the playoffs now. All of my leagues except for one, which goes till the end of the season, stupidly enough. It's a public league. We go till the last day, but most of them, they're going to be ending sooner than that. We are in playoff mode right now. And I hope you guys win all the championships, all the banners, and, of course, all of those first-place checks. Guys, take care. See you later. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.